the following is based on the shocking true events of three good boys watching a garbage movie. The podcasting three. The devil made me watch this bullshit. <laughs> I'm Matisse Van Rossum, but evil. <laughs> I'm Ben Sheets, and the devil made me do it to him. <laughs> Hi, and I'm Cleveland Mosier, and uh, this is my first Conjuring movie, so the devil made me baby. <laughs> well, we can get in or the ba- right the, into the it, devil I baby guess. driver. I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> devil baby. No, I think Kevin Spacey was the devil in Baby Driver. <laughs> Just the devil in general, but yeah, yeah. Well, I guess let's fucking get right into it, boyos. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this- as promised from last week, thank you. You did keep to your word, and we are all sipping on Bombay right now. Yep. Um. We are sipping on Bombay because uh, cheers. I I promised that we would not have to do this entirely sober because uh, I don't think any of us were looking forward to this film, uh, and it sure <laughs> lived up to our expectations. Man, yeah. all all week I was thinking how much more angry I would have been if we had seen this in the, in the theaters. Theater, man. <laughs> I'd spent money on it. It yeah. would have been rough. Yeah, well, uh, we're we're talking about the the newest entry in the Conjuring franchise. Yep. Uh, we're talking about the Conjuring Three: The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, directed by Michael Chavez and uh, starring Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga and some other some other ones. John Noble. John Noble, a, yes. That's uh, pretty cool. He has a, a bit part. First time I've seen him in anything in a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably one of the only decent things about the <laughs> about the movie. Uh, yeah, this is just the, the latest in the uh, totally by-the-numbers, uninspired, uh, jump-scare-ridden Conjuring franchise that everybody seems to love so much. Um, People like a, a scare- uh, people seem to like people like carnival. A, people like a startlement. Yeah, they, yes, a startlement. Yeah, people like a like a fucking uh, like a carnival ride where the skeleton pops out. You know, it's just that in movie form. Dare I say it? But which is okay. It's all right. The Conjuring is the marvel of horror. Yes, yes very. Yeah, yeah, it's like, a theme park It's ride. the marvelization of mm-hmm. horror. Uh, I big agree. Big I was agree. gonna I was gonna save this for later, but since you brought up Marvel, I. Uh, I, I hate read a Polygon article about this uh, about this movie uh, last week, where they basically Man's said, out here "Hate reading." <laughs> yep, uh, I sometimes read things for spite uh, and in order to <laughs> in order to piss myself off. All right, but um, makes and, you feel alive. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes it does, uh, and uh, I, I don't obviously I I I don't remember verbatim the article, but their point was something to the the extent of the reason that the Conjuring franchise is uh, so successful is that unlike the MCU, the Conjuring movies aren't about anything. <laughs> and that was used as a point of praise. You know, <laughs> there's something to that. I mean, yeah, like they're like the, the statement in itself is is correct in that these movies are not about anything. But like, you know, like here's the thing, right? If you don't have like source material, 
that your fans are as deeply connected to, you can get away with a lot more. What makes the Conjuring movies the Conjuring movies? It's like the fucking like That's the thing, constant though. jump scare like there silliness. is so, there's there is source material yeah. though. Yeah, well, it's, it's based on, on a true, true story. story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know these movies follow the uh, the exploits of uh, real life grifters. S- grifters. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say self proclaimed demonologists. But what I will and say, Lorraine Warren. Yeah, sorry, uh, and Lorraine Warren. But what I will say is like. Not just the Conjuring movies, but the Conjureverse and all the other tangential movies affiliated, right? Like, the Insidious movies aren't directly connected, but they're they're affiliated, you know? They've, yeah, they've they got don't a lot of the same place, cast and crew. They don't take place in the same universe like Annabelle and La Llorona and shit Which do, do yeah. But Insidious... Those movies, I think, were very much like the test run for the Conjuring cinematic universe in a lot of ways i mean both started by james wan the first one has patrick wilson in it it does have patrick wilson in it we can get into that later but like everybody loves patrick wilson and i find him one of the most milquetoast boring actors working today i think i think he is i think he's perfectly competent serviceable i think i I think he does great i think he's perfectly competent in everything that he's in but i've never seen him in anything where i was like oh man, Patrick Wilson is great in this, you know? Like, he's never given, like, uh, he's never given an offensive performance, but he's never, I've never seen one where I was like, man, he really knocked it out of the park. Well, you know, I think, I think that that's what he's sort of good at, though. Like, I I will give him, I'll give credit to that. He is very good at playing, like, Mr. Hero Man, Mm. like a classic like good guy character. I like seeing that from time to time. I really like his character in Fargo, like who is that as well. He uh Fargo's he does probably that the and- best thing I've seen him in, but even so, I think he's one of the least interesting characters in that season. Yes, I agree. Cuz he's surrounded by much more interesting characters but largely. That allows him in all of those scenarios to act as a foil. Sure. Look at um, Night Owl and Watchmen, right? Like, shitty movie. Do I have to? Uh, yeah, right. But, like, like, <laughs> like shitty movie. But, like, I do think Patrick Wilson was a really good casting for Night Owl. I totally um, forgot he was in but, that. But, well, because I mean, Night Owl is kind of a forgettable character that's sort of funny about him. But he also, like, acts as a foil for Rorschach's fucking bat shittery, right? It makes Rorschach e- seem even more wild and crazy next to, like, Night Owl, who, like, what, his greatest, like, character attribute is that he can't get it up, you know? That's uh, that's what's going on, you know, with him. And I think, like, he's Patrick impotent, Wilson plays that character well. Yeah, he's into Batman. And uh, there's something, um, effective, like, really effective, I think, like, put, pitting him up against these characters, which is why I think he does really well in these Conjuring. I would assume he does well in the other Conjuring movies. I thought he did, he, he was a good casting for this kind of movie when there's so much other wild bullshit going on around you constantly to have this one character who is just kind of bland like <laughs> as oh, a resting see, point I, I would i would argue that most of the characters in this movie are insufferably bland yeah i mean honestly i agree with you in principle honestly but... outside of ed and lorraine warren can you name the character john name Noble. Not uh, the actor, the character. <laughs> nope. One one character, yeah, Arnie, the dude who's possessed by 
a demon or whatever, and the only reason I can name him is because they never stop saying his name. <laughs> That's true. Like every scene, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, all they do in this movie is talk about Arnie, so that's the only reason. Hey, just if we were like, a YouTube series, this is the point where we do it like an Arnie supercut. Yeah, I'm not going to. No, no, don't, I'm don't do that to yourself. To do a supercut for this, listener, you can imagine it. You yeah. have, you have a, you have a brand. You can do it. After uh, watching The Running Man last night, I uh, I feel the same mindset. Arnie, Arnie. on my mind. <laughs> now, Ben and I have both seen the other Conjuring movies. Yes, and I think that of the the central conjuring films not the spin-offs this is by far the worst one absolutely really i yes. don't think the first or second are great films but they're much more watchable than this james one. wan is an at least a competent director Yes. Um, and this one is not directed by James Wan, and it shows... It's directed by the guy who did The Curse of La Llorona, uh, which we did not see, but after this one, I somehow want to see it even less than I did before. I actually have a few friends who, who think it's great. Like, well, I was you're, welcome, to... you're welcome to make it one of your I'm... picks at some point. Are they nope. Catholic? Nope. Uh... <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> but I'm um, no, I'm I'm not interested enough to see. I might at some point, but uh... the first two Conjuring movies are pretty by the numbers when it comes to horror. But I would still say that there are each one has a, at least a couple of relatively effective scare sequences that are at least kind of creepy. Um, I think of like the clapping hands one in the first one or like the <laughs> the claymation crooked man in the second one. I thought that was kind of charming. It's a claymation character? Uh, yeah. yeah he's fine. he's getting he's going to be the next spinoff uh, in the Conjuring verse. The crooked oh. man is getting his own movie. OK, it's probably going to suck. But this one, I found all of the, the scare sequences laughable at best, completely dull at worst. Yeah, well, it's interesting because with the first one especially, you know, there is that kind of narrative escalation where it does still feel like they're inserting jump scares every five to ten minutes yeah. consistently. There is an escalation of stakes where this one... It starts with essentially what is the climax of the first movie? Yeah, dude, I was thinking about that movie. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the you're absolutely right. Like the first one has sort of like this build up to like the the exorcism at the end, where it like gets progressively more intense leading up to that, and that's like the first scene in this movie is when they're trying to exorcise the the demon out of the little boy. The stakes never get higher than that. No, this like, no. Like, the highest stakes you can have is a demon possessing a child and trying to, like, save the child, right? Like, that is about as high as the like, stakes that's can get. That's fucking Exorcist 101. Like, this right. movie... Like, like and, and to start with that and to end that, like, like it's not going to get scarier from there. It's not, like, there's no way. We're not worried about the kid. And also, I think that scene is so tackily done, too. I think maybe because we don't have any kind of build-up to it, like, we don't see the gradual haunting of this family and this child that culminates in the exorcism it has the same energy of an mcu action sequence to me where it's just like effects plastered over a void just, see what know, i'll say empty. though is i thought it was fucking hilarious like i was having a great time and i like, will say too like i feel like 
while I definitely agree it was very tacky, I would also argue as one of the most effective sequences of the movie insofar as everything else was even worse somehow. Yeah, I, and starting your you movie off that way with such a frenetic start with exorcist homages and possessions and exorcisms and all this stuff it makes the rest of the movie feel so deflated bro they that first fucking scene they call the exorcist in and they do a fucking shot where he gets out of the car and it, he's like wearing a broad brimmed hat and it like pans, has the briefcase and the he has suit. the briefcase and it like pans down behind him and shows the house. It's the same fucking shot from the exorcist. He's standing under the street lamp. And the street I lamp is, is framed the same way. And I don't know why you would ever, ever, ever when you're making a movie like this point at a much better movie that was made 50 years ago <laughs> i mean it's the same reason marvel does like direct you know frame copies sometimes yeah, even though the source just, material is better it's just fucking wild to me it's like the hubris of that to be like hey you get the exorcist reference and all it does is immediately make me think man i wish i was watching the exorcist <laughs> instead of this movie yeah now that i that point i'll definitely agree on i wasn't like wildly offended at it i wasn't like oh the nerve but, no i like, wasn't offended by it either I, uh, but it's just like why would you why would yeah, you call it but attention? I, I do agree. Like it is, it's it's tacky at best to like call it like call such strong attention to a better movie. Like homage is one thing, but they they were really kind of pushing the line. The problem, and also kind of what makes this this movie great in my eyes, is the heavy handedness. Like there's no tact. Like subtlety is dead for this completely. Movie. Say fucking goodbye, like to subtext or anything else like that. So the only way that they're going to be able to pay homage is by doing that. I mean, the answer is don't, obviously, but. Yeah. I believe that their intentions were were more than good. Like you can tell that they were like, like yeah, look, we're paying home homage oh, I'm sure they to the thought greats. They were being clever. Yeah. You know, I'm like sure they yeah. they like being uh, clever. like a band doing a cover song. You know, like like they, that's that's I think the perception on their end. But in execution, uh, yeah, calling attention to a much better movie is just a bad call. And they do like they do like a, a kind of title crawl, like a very like late seventies, early eighties kind of title crawl at the beginning. I was really astounded the, by that. In the summer of 1981, Ed and Lorraine Warren oversaw the exorcism of this little boy by blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's just like yellow text on a black screen with light that scrolls up. And then you hit the conjuring three, the devil made me do it. And it's like, it reminds me of like fucking the, the title crawl, like the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Once again, a much better film. Yeah. And it's like... They're just starting the movie off by, like, pointing to all of these movies that are, like, infinitely better than this movie. And I think it just, like... It's well, just, it's well, just all three of these so many conjuring. modern movies are guilty of it, all right? Where they these... just, like, build build their films out of, like, Lego of better films. Yeah, films. and all three of these Conjuring movies are set in the 70s. But, like, this one is the most egregious and heavy-handed in how it <laughs> it's, like... 
oh, it's like 70s. You know 70s movies, right? Well, you know what's what's frustrating is this is the first one that's not set in the 70s. It's set at the beginning of it's in the early 80s. And oh, is it? Yeah, it is. It's, It's set in 81. And the only reason I made note of that is because it's set at like the start of the satanic panic generation and that's sort of like what the whole film centers around is like the the main antagonist is mm-hmm. not a ghost it's a it's a satanist who is like summoning demons and ghosts and cursing a family right but i i don't think you're wrong for not having noticed that because the film does not play on that thematically at all it doesn't have anything to say about the satanic panic of the 80s. It doesn't have... It's like the Polygon article said. Like, it's not about anything. Everything is set dressing for nothing. That's what's so frustrating about this. Like, at least the first couple, which, as you said, are set in the 70s. Like, James Wan's a competent enough director to at least give them a little bit of, like, that 70s flair, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think he does a great job. No, they're still heavy-handed, because at right. the end of the day, they're a Conjuring movie, right. but I don't know. I, I haven't seen the other Conjuring movies, as I've said. So for me, I went into it just expecting bad, and I got bad. Yeah. But, like, I thought the heavy, like, the heavy-handedness, like, like subtlety is dead factor of the movie, like, kind of made it rock. Like, I was having a fucking great time throughout most of this film. I'll go ahead and say it. I actually uh, kind of surprised myself. Yeah, and, that's uh, hilarious. Because and actually, was kind of enjoying the ride a little you're bit. You're the one who was the most vocal about not wanting to cover this for the podcast. Yeah, like when I when I suggested that we do it's it, true. you seemed genuinely distraught. I was. I really didn't want to see this movie. I really didn't. And uh, I just I, I strapped in and was like ready for the absolute worst. Much like Army of the Dead. But I don't think this movie is like anywhere near as good oh, as Army God, of the Dead. Oh God, no. Like anywhere near. God, no. But no. like I was still I was still able to laugh at the bad in a fun way i guess my tastes are are once again shifting the more like bad found footage movies like i start cramming down my eyeballs like the the worst taste you get well no just like the more (laughs) the more joy i get out of bad you know like i'm starting to cross the wrong wires i guess like a little bit but i don't know i don't know like uh, the reason the reason that i i I still recognize like whether it's quality or not no it's absolutely not you're not wrong the reason i still had a good time the reason that i have a hard time with these kinds of movies and being able to enjoy them for their badness is because they're not bad due to lack of funding they feel or, cynically made. Yeah, they're they're not bad due to lack of means. Like you look at a lot of like really fun bad movies, they're they're like zero budget. The person who's making them has no idea what they're doing, and the sort of lack of experience and money makes them charming in their badness. Whereas stuff like this is like uh, it's a multi-million dollar movie made by lots of people who are technically very competent and it still manages to just be completely uninspired drivel. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, I think um it's hard to find it's, still, it's hard to find the charm in that for me. It looks to, it still looks to me like something that they they might have had fun making. I do feel like that that carries through in some capacity, but I recognize, too, that, like, these types of films, like, to a degree kind of need to exist also. 
you know, like it, it's totally okay to have like popcorn movies, like for the masses where like your, your average person who hasn't seen the exorcist in this day and age, like just thinks that that opening shot looks cool. Sure. Like that's okay. Listen, as if movies, if movies like this mean that horror as a genre continues to be popular, then I'm fine with it. Right. You know? Like if this, I'm, this, I think fine, it will too. I think I'm this will lead with, to more yeah. midsummers and more lighthouses and whatnot. Like the more like money that's spent on horror, like it's, it's better for the genre. Yeah. Yes, the only thing that that makes me side-eye that a little bit is, and this is a whole different conversation that we don't have to get deep into, but I think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been bad for movies. I think that that model is it ha, people try to copy it. The success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has made everyone want to turn everything into a cinematic universe. Like I, the example I, I've been pointing to recently is that there's been talk about like a, an American Parasite remake, but now it's not a remake. It's a spinoff show set in the Parasite universe that doesn't have any relation to the film. And it's like, what? what is that? What does that mean? It's capitalizing on the success of another movie and trying to make money off of it by saying, oh, it's in the same universe. What the fuck does that even mean? That, right, dude! That's <laughs> Parasite was supposed to be set on Earth. Theoretically, we're yes, in the Parasite yes, universe. We, that, that's the thing. We live in the Parasite <laughs> universe. It's set in reality. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. But, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has shifted the paradigm in American filmmaking towards things like that. I think The Conjuring is still small enough that you're right at the moment. It allows more indie horror to be made and still, and people say, oh, yeah, horror movies like The Conjuring. I love horror movies. But I think that the ever-present danger of of the Marvel Cinematic here's, Universe looms. Here's my thing about that, right? Okay, so before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there were still crossover films. The idea of having, like, a cinematic universe has been around since long before the Marvel movies. They've helped popularize it, but you still have things like Alien vs. Predator and, like, Freddy vs. Jason, which is largely the same concept. And both of those came out in the early 2000s leading into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right, like, before it is what I'm saying. Like, like, you have uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frank. Exactly, though! Like, like, that's kind of my point, though. Like, you still have crossover stuff. Yes, but it's not all movies. You're not planning 20 movies ahead. You're not planning a cinematic universe in phases. In this phase, we're going to put out six movies and 12 TV shows. And then the next phase, we're going to put out these 10 movies and 20 TV shows. Well, like you see what you see what I mean. I right? do. But here, here's the, the other thing about that. That right? didn't exist like, before. That way of thinking just when. Didn't... Oh, no, they're planning ahead. Oh, God. I'll take that over what they did with the Star Wars movies where there was just no planning at all. Like in each movie just came like one after the next. And uh, you had this multi-million dollar franchise without like sure. any any like sights on the horizon. I think there's plenty of room for a middle ground. But also like Disney's the only studio that can afford to do it to that degree anyway yeah but they're buying everything up 
Yeah, no, and they that, own it. They own everything. Well, I mean, and that's a problem, but I think that's a separate problem. And con- and the Conjuring universe is Warner Brothers, and that's one of the few things that Disney does not own yet. Warner Brothers Discovery. Yes, excuse me, <laughs> Warner Brothers Discovery <laughs> with the the worst logo ever made, PowerPoint ass logo. Um, but I think the problem with cinematic universes, especially in context of the Conjuring cinematic universe in air quotes, is it kind of deflates any stakes or character development of the film. When you know the main characters of your movie are going to continue without much problem to the next movie, there's not much you can do. And they're way more static than they would be if it was a traditional kind of even if it was a series, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, you like th- that's sort of like the the Superman factor, though, right? Like that's always been the case. Like Superman is essentially immortal, right? The stakes are never high yeah, when you watch Superman like a classic Superman sucks. thing. Yeah, let, Superman let me finish. Bad, I, I agree. I agree. But like, um, I I find Superman boring. But you're like you're just like your regular person who's just gotten home from a long day. They don't want to think. They've been thinking all day, and they just want some popcorn and they want to feel good about themselves. Superman's a really viable choice, you know, or you're, you know, like Wonder Woman's or whatever, like, like sitting down and like just feeling empowered and feeling like powerful and whatever else and meeting whatever fantasy you need. That's all that those serve. Is it as, is it as engaging? Is it as like dynamic or uh, high stakes? No, but that's also not the point that it's trying to serve. That's like, not, that's not the point we're making though. Like obviously cheap popcorn entertainment has existed for a long time and serves its purpose. Like I have plenty of popcorn entertainment that I love that I like to put on and not think about. But the problem is when that cheap popcorn entertainment becomes the only thing that makes money. So it becomes the paradigm. So it becomes what everybody is trying to do because they see that they can't make money without doing that. That's when it becomes a problem. Okay. So, that's we can the, all agree. That's the issue. All right, so we can all agree that like Disney holding movie theaters hostage is bad. Like yes, that's what we're all on the yes. same page on. Okay, yes. cool. Yeah, and I will then, say, then I, I fully agree. You know, that, I understand where you're coming from with your defense of popcorn movies. I mean, fuck, like this podcast is one of the biggest defenders of Piranha 3D there is. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that is the purest of popcorn movies. I'm but almost think... 28 years old and watching through Supernatural again. So, like, <laughs> I love some cheap, dumb popcorn entertainment. Sure, sure. Don't the, get me wrong. the difference for me is like with popcorn trash like piranha like there is something to grasp to even if it's just movie colorful movie silly you know this movie i don't really feel like there's all that much to grasp to you know like the the uh the jump scares they don't build to them to the point where they feel warranted at any point they don't really have much of an internal logic to them usually also like the villain in this movie is like not scary or interesting like before we even figure out that there's like the the satanist witch lady who's like doing the cursing like the ghost or demon or whatever is just like a dirty guy it's just a is <laughs> yeah it's just a nasty looking it's, man it's and, it's like a dirty guy with long hair and a fat corpse and those are like your scary. Well, we'll talk about the fat corpse. <laughs> yes. Big old, he's big the old best, footnote on that. He's the best thing about this Man, movie. Man, I'm giving this movie a whole nother star because of that. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. There's nothing interesting. 
I can appreciate your perspective, Cleve, having not seen any of these other ones. Like, it was The Nun your only other Conjuring verse movie? Yeah, man, and this is miles above The Nun in my eyes. Like, The Nun the nun had me, like, so livid. And again, my tastes have changed since then. But The Nun was, like, this so quickly paced, like, in trailer cut. I never felt like this movie was trailer cut the same way I felt about The Nun. Not quite, but I, I would put it, them- it was mile a minute, but it wasn't trailer cut. I would put them on on pretty similar quality standing. I think it tried to like set the scene. Like this movie tried did, did <laughs> the lowest bar, but like compared to the nun, the nun didn't even try to set the scene. It would just go into the next moment in a new place. Yeah, but man, if, and just like flit around, and it was like it was I like had nauseating. Seen this one in the theater, I would have been more mad coming out of this one than I was the nun because I felt like. The Nun was funnier in yeah. some respects. Really? And how ludicrous it was. I think we laughed way more in The Nun than we did in this one. I mean, it helps that, like, we were not particularly sober when we went to see The Nun. And, like, it also helped that, like, the entire rest of the theater was also in on the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that definitely improved the experience. But, man, I agree with you. I would have had such a bad time seeing this movie in the theater because, like, the only thing that made it remotely watchable for me was the fact that we could just talk over it the whole time heckle it it. yeah and you're less likely to be able to get away with that in the theater depending on on the audience but like just in comparison to the first two this one just felt felt lazy to me and I don't even think the other two are like particularly good films either you know I think they're they're decent but like man this one just felt so by the numbers it's like uh yeah there's another ghost and these these people who know about ghosts and demons are doing the thing let me break down a scene that'll give a good example of what we're talking about so the the teenage boy Arnie. arnie is in the kitchen getting some something out of the fridge and he looks over, and the Fruit Loops fall over. Yeah, a box of cereal. Yeah. Kind of moves. Oh no! Yeah. The devil pushed the Fruit Loops over, and he goes over to investigate, and a rat flutters across the floor. It's like, oh, there was a rat in the box of yeah, cereal. Yeah. So he goes to track the rat, right? Rats flutter. Is that the right? Skitter. Whatever. Skitter yeah. flutter. Up. I'm I'm on a roll. Let's Go let's keep, keep going. going. Uh, so the the rat skitters or flutters across the floor. Uh, scuttles. Uh, scuttles. There you go. That's actually perfect. It shits across the floor. Um, <laughs> and uh, goes into a hole in the wall. The rat hole. And wait, is there ever any payoff for the rat hole? No. No. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He goes up that. to it yeah. and he stares into it. And instead of having something spooky happen with the rat hole, scary man just appears behind him. Yeah. And then cut to next scene. And, like, grabs his shoulders and shrieks at him, and then it cuts to the next scene, and that's it. Well, the funny thing about that, too, is, like, it was setting up, and we're like, okay, there's a jump scare coming, and Cleveland said, oh, this is going to be a fake jump scare. He's going to be digging around in the hole, and then he's not going to hear, like, his girlfriend come up behind him or something, and she's going to say, hey, and he's going to startle him. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. We're early enough in the movie for that. But nope, instead, a goat... 
the ghost just appears behind him fully. Actually, I don't even think it was the ghost. I think it's like it's the, the devil lady, the specter of like the devil lady. Yeah. yeah, appears behind him. We see her in full, like ten minutes into the movie, and like grabs his shoulders and like opens her mouth real wide at him, and it's like. Who thought that that was scary? Yeah. What was the setup for that particularly? Like- also, like, I, I want to double back just a little bit and and say that the entire premise for this thing is so fucking stupid because when they're exercising, <laughs> when they're exercising the little boy, like, at one point, Arnie, who's, like, the works for the family or he's like a babysitter or something. I don't know his relationship with that family. Uh, we never really figure that out. He's like holding the the demon boy and yelling at, at it, let him go, take me instead, take me instead. And we see like the demon like leave the boy's eyes and like enter Arnie's eyes. And Patrick Wilson sees that happen. No, 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 no. Let's be real. Everyone should would have seen it yeah, happen for sure. <laughs> the possessed child is in the room where like like everyone else is standing, doing nothing else other than like there's removing also, the demon from this. There's child. like a, t- a it's it's an exorcism scene, so there's like a whirlwind in the room and shit's like flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I guess you could say that maybe they were too distracted trying to dodge picture frames and shit. Please, but yeah, realistically, they all would have seen. Oh, it. which is another thing too. Like the special effects are like so wild and heavy during this scene. You've got, like, all these people standing around this child at this dinner table in this, like, small room, and there's just a whirlwind of glass and dust and other things, like, all around them, and, like, no one's eyes are, like, damaged or whatever, because, like, the actors are just there on the scene, like, and so, like, the, the CG artist just went fucking mad, like, yeah. with w- glass flying around everywhere, but you don't buy any of it, on, because on, my because, favorite like, part On set, they probably is, had a, a bunch of big fans, and that was it. Yeah. My favorite part is when the boy is, like, turning into a press on the table and everyone else is just standing around the table yeah like, right like wow whoa. yeah oh this looks so real oh no but yeah so so arnie straight up invites the demon to possess loudly him. he screams it he at screams it. he screams leave him alone take me instead after he says that everything quiets down well, well the boy is fine again and then everybody just assumes that it's over. Well, not only that, but he says, take me instead. And then it leaves the kid's eyes. And his eyes get this crazy CG effect around him. Where they go all, like, dead looking. and Like, like milky, and then, like, there's veins. Like, veins all, vein, all over yeah. his face. Like, it is, it is, um, again, like, that's where, that, that is actually the moment where I said, like, wow, like, suddenly he's dead in this movie. Like, Jesus Christ. Not dead well, in general, there, but in this film, movie. The film tries to tell us that, that Patrick Wilson is the only one who sees that happen and that he is too late to stop it because he has a heart attack in that scene so he goes to the hospital but like yeah like, like i don't i don't understand what everyone else was doing like we don't see it's all off camera. they're just why, off camera why did anybody think it was over after that though why did arnie think it was over he like felt the demon like leave the child's body and enter his and he just went on about his business after that 
Right. Like, he didn't think, like, he didn't now, go to, to the demonologist and say, like, hey, I I think I might have, like, invited the demon into me. Like, it left it left the little boy, and, like, I'm worried that I might well, be possessed. Yeah. I think because the in-movie re- explanation is almost funnier in a respect. It's that Ed had a heart attack, and they got so distracted that they just gave up. Yeah, they just forgot. Uh, yeah. They just forgot. And then it's like, Ed wakes up later and is like it, the demon's got Arnie but at that point he's already killed his weird drunk roommate or whatever yeah. so in reality the circumstances could have been much closer to there weren't actually demonic events so like the eyeball shit wouldn't have happened and he would have said like take me instead and then like a little bit later he probably had a heart attack or whatever if that even happened I don't know point being like that if this had been more subtle and more lifelike like uh, and there had been a little bit more realism or doubt at this at this part of the film, it would have been a lot easier to buy. Sure. Like him just going about his day. Like the events probably happened. If they right, if they had like there's probably some doubt have... involved in that because demons aren't real. So like if like, they had started are. if they had started the fucking film with a goddamn demon tornado in their living room. <laughs> If they yes. hadn't, if, like, even if they had started the same way with, like, the kid being possessed and them just doing, like, an exorcism, mm. like, if they hadn't started with a fucking demonic tornado, they could have probably gotten away with it a little bit more. But it's like, no, it's it's all just so fucking rushed because there's so much other shit that they have to cram into this movie. And what I think is a missed opportunity, too, and, like, this isn't what this movie's about, but it's what it should have been about, is, like, the true story that this is based on like the real life events that this is based on is like yeah this arnie kid did murder somebody and it was the first time in u.s history that demonic possession was used as a defense in a court of law i think that's interesting conceptually i think that's really interesting how long is anybody in a courtroom in this movie maybe two minutes maybe maybe Maybe, Maybe we're in a courtroom yeah. for two minutes in this Enough entire movie. Enough to put a shot in the trailer, and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> and instead, we get the st- like all we get about that is one of the worst lines I've ever heard is when Patrick Wilson says, uh, "The court accepts the existence of God every time the witness takes a stand. It's time you start accepting the existence of the devil too." <laughs> It's like that's that's like the big that's like the big umbrella of of like the whole like legal aspect of it. And it's like instead they turn it into sensationalized bullshit that like very obviously didn't happen. A more interesting movie would be following this real case and us in the audience being in doubt of whether this person was actually possessed by a demon or not. He wasn't. But uh <laughs> you know it's all just fucking sensationalism. Mm-hmm. And, like, that brings you to the point of the fucking Warrens. Their family gets money from these movies. And I think that's kind of fucked up. Because they are fucking... They were fucking grifters. Like, huge grifters. And uh, I, I will say, like, my biggest problem with these movies as a whole is that it's not about them being grifters. <laughs> it's about them being right. <laughs> And that sucks. That sucks hard. The fictional world where what they're actually saying is reality. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
which you know in theory could be interesting but the way it's handled is too complimentary yeah to way see. too complimentary way yeah. too complimentary and i agree Cause, yeah because it, it's like a love story for them like like yeah. we're really supposed to feel like endeared and concerned for them i mean that's the whole crux of the actual climax right we're like worried about them and i mean that's like, the crux of every movie like uh, all of these conjuring movies like the the core emotional weight of the film is the is the relationship between ed and lorraine warren man it's so badly handled in this movie though yes. the the side exposition of the gazebo where they first met and them connecting together hallmark channel shit i wish they would have just cut all that fucking shit out one of the final shots of the movie this isn't a spoiler but they get a they get a gazebo in their backyard yeah he builds her a gazebo after they've uh after they've gone through this yet again traumatic experience or whatever i've got it i've got it they missed the gazebo Yep, they sure did. <laughs> they sure fucking did. Says it all. But, like, there's nothing to their characters. They're so flat. Like, yeah, did you... Yeah, they're boring as shit. Yeah, I was gonna say, like... Yeah. No, I was never invested. I, but I thought I thought that their flatness was funny. They do a little bit more work in, like, the first two movies to sort of, like, establish them as more, like, believable, quote-unquote, interesting characters. But I think this movie is just relying on the fact it's like, oh, you've seen those movies. We don't need to do character development. You know these characters. I mean, I wasn't too confused. Like, I, I, I knew that they were, I, I'd heard that they were grifters before, and, like, I was... Well, it's not about confusion, but it's about, yeah. it's about, uh, characterization. Yeah, no, I... That's what I mean. There's none in this movie. There's none. <laughs> Much like the nun. <laughs> Couple of good things. Let's just get those out of the way. Can we uh, talk about the fat dude scene? Real, we'll we'll get to that. The one I want to mention first is uh, we mentioned that John Noble has a bit part in this as like a retired priest who studied like a satanic cult who they go to to get exposition and then later it turns out uh spoilers i guess i don't fucking care um that the the satanist who's cursing these people is his daughter but his first line in the movie uh when they walk they they pull up to his house and he's like he lives in on like a farm and uh uh patrick wilson goes to shake his hand and he just looks at him and says i have chicken shit on my hands <laughs> that line rules that best was line best line in the film definitely best yeah, line definitely. in the film it feels like at times with this one they were going more intentionally for comedy with quips and stuff like that <sighs> fucking marvel man exactly that's exactly. that's the that's the mcu mindset once again the, the marvelization the fucking, yeah the marvelization of everything there's you gotta you gotta have quips you gotta have little joss whedon quips I, I for the most part they didn't work in this movie i don't feel like i, I thought the chicken shit line worked yeah. fine yeah, worked but great. I, I, that got a legitimate laugh out of me but i don't think any of the other times that i laughed in this movie uh, were at intentional jokes. Um, case in point, the the part in the movie that was so incredible that we legitimately had to run it back and watch it again. Yes. Um, pretty much the entirety of my rating for this film is based around this one moment. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they, they break into the morgue because... Uh, they need Vera Farmiga to touch a dead body because there's still like an open connection to the witch who cursed 
that's not important. Doesn't matter. Who cares? What yeah, is yeah. important? There, they need to touch a corpse. She needs to. They break into the morgue so she can touch a corpse. In touching the corpse, she opens a channel to the witch who reanimates another corpse in the room. Big old fat guy. Yeah. Big old scraggly fat guy with long hair. And drippy. The drippy, mm-hmm. and he's a corpse. He's naked. You know, he's naked. Um, big naked boy. Big naked boy, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Wilson spots him across the room. There, there's, there's a few seconds where they're kind of like eyeing each other up. He's like, uh, Diane, uh, 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 Diane, uh, uh, Elaine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Same thing. Shows how memorable they yeah, are. Right. Yeah. Editor's note: Mattis was also wrong. The character's name is Lauren. God damn it! These characters suck. Who cares? Uh, he's like, he's like, you gotta, you gotta let go of the corpse. Uh, you gotta break the connection. You gotta, you gotta stop, you gotta stop touching. You gotta stop touching the dead body. And, uh, they both run for Vera Farmiga at the exact same time. Patrick Wilson, the big tubby corpse. And And Patrick Wilson gets to her first and pulls her hand off the corpse, breaking the connection. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the, the the big fat the big fat guy is d is deanimated mid mid sprint and just falls and bangs his head on the on the the autopsy table and the I way mean, he just dives head first into it, man. The way it's animated is like it, it's like a fucking Three Stooges. Bit. It's incredible, like, like it's, Looney Tunes. It's man. some of it's some of the funniest slapstick comedy I've seen in a film all year. But it's completely unintentional. It's played it is, seriously. It's played so seriously, which is almost why it's funny. funnier. Yeah. Yes. You know, what I really wish is the fat guy shows up later in the movie again. He does for I, some reason. I really wish. I wish they would have put a big dent in his head. <laughs> that would have been much funnier. I agree. Oh my that's, god! That's a kind of like clever callback missed that this movie is way too dumb you, like, for. Dude, you're so right. That would, that's a missed opportunity. That would have been also hilarious. like. Can we mention briefly like how it doesn't make any sense that that exact same corpse showed up again later? Because nope. they're like in the tunnels. So that means that she reanimated him at the morgue. He got up because he's not a ghost, just a corpse. Yeah, and just walked. Dude, it's <laughs> it's a missed opportunity to have like another creative creature, right? Because like it, it sounds to me like these movies really do well for having like creative creatures, and that's how they're able to get away with spinoffs. It's like yeah. whoa, that thing in the background really spooked a lot of people. Let's make a movie about that. And uh, here, there's not there aren't too many options. Like, yeah, that was totally a good chance to have something with like fingers for teeth or something weird, you know. Or if they're like, gonna if they're gonna bring back the paint that now. if they're gonna bring back the fat guy, lean into it and let us see him sitting up from the floor. Cut away, have him sit up from the floor of the morgue, and then give us a shot of him just like naked, like sprinting down the road <laughs> down in the, the middle of, in the middle of the night. And uh, like, yeah, I want that honestly like if they had leaned if they had leaned into that like that would have been much funnier but instead like they're just in the tunnels later under the town and he just shows up he's just there again so it's like 
They cool. probably shot. They probably shot those scenes on the same day. They Man. had. They had the actor. He was in the makeup. He already had his dick out. But here's the thing. <laughs> How great would it be if we do get a, co- a spinoff <laughs> of, controversy of, yeah, of this guy? Yeah. That guy. <laughs> what would the movie be named? Big Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Look out from from the Conjuring universe, Big Ghost. <laughs> Big Ghost. <laughs> oh Lord, he coming. <laughs> That's the subtitle. <laughs> Big, big ghost, Olad, he come. Did I watch the shit out of that? Are you kidding? Can we talk about how dumb the the subtitle for this movie is? It's the dumbest subtitle not, I've ever heard. Because it's not just The Conjuring 3. It's, it's so The st- Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Dude, here's the thing. Going into this, not seeing one of these before, it could have just been The con. Okay, well, it still would have been bad. But you could have taken three out. Just let it be like the Conjuring, the Devil Made Me Do It, or the Conjuring better subtitle here. Like, I, I think I think technically it is the Conjuring, the Devil Made Me Do It. I think the three gets thrown in there arbitrarily because yeah. uh, it's the third one. But I think you're like I think that is the title. But like I get what you're going for, and they say the line a couple of times, like, "Oh, is this guy really?" Uh, gonna plead in a court of law that, uh, sorry, judge, the devil made me do it. But it's like, it, <sighs> I want to say it sounds so that dumb. That was the name of the book that this case is based on. Oh, is that? Yeah, is that I'm well, not a hundred percent. Yeah, sure well, you know, that like could, that. That would that tracks. Blade Runner was originally titled "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" And cooler uh, title, in my opinion, it's a cooler title, but it, it doesn't read well. It's like, not. Mar- for, it's not marketable. No, you know? it's not. And uh, like same with "We Can Remember It for You" wholesale, a Total Recall. Like, like you change the name. Like, yeah. like Total Recall is a much better film title, much punchier, is. as is Blade Runner. Yeah. But like, I think The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is a cumbersome mouthful. Well, that's what I'm saying. And so is like "Do Androids." Dream of electric yeah. sheep it's too long they for a just, movie they could have just said the conjuring three yeah just, num- just fucking yeah. number or them. or the conjuring three the devil within or some shit you know like 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 it's a little cheap y'all remember but... that movie the devil inside yes you'll see um, that i yeah. saw that in the theater there are two wolves inside <laughs> all of us but uh no uh the the thing that makes it dumb to me uh and I, i've been complaining about it since they've been the, this trailer has been out the devil made me do it is like saying like like is is something like a child says it's like it's like my sister made me do it you know like when you're like trying to get we out we talked of- about this with the empty man because they write on the on on the wall the empty man made me do it oh my god Remember? that's what it was yeah yeah we just we talked about this not long we ago we did and it's done okay the, cool the, yeah see your episode exact, on the empty yeah, man for the exact same for, reason for all it, the same complaints is yeah. it sounds childish and at the beginning man i wish i could remember the line now i've already forgotten i did make a note of it but not the exact line it's like doesn't patrick wilson say something about like the devil being like the greatest bully of all time or some shit like that like i made, I made a note in my phone when we were watching this movie but all it says is the devil bull is bullying me <laughs> dude i in this movie is such a blur i <laughs> i i feel that i should have written down the line verbatim but i think he says something about like the devil being like the greatest bully of all time and it's like what? <laughs> Why are we turning this into schoolyard? The shit? devil gives you a mean wedgie because yeah, the, because the, the de- worst the, the worst conjuring three the devil gave me a swirly. The worst and scariest thing that ever happened to the writer was probably they were bullied once. The conjuring three the devil gave me a purple nurple. <laughs> yeah, the devil stole my lunch money. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. Um uh so yeah, then later on they return back to uh John Noble's uh house and uh you know, we get the big reveal that it's her, uh what's her face has to hide in the cellar. And well, uh the she appears to to stab John Noble and then the steward is skewered. Because <laughs> no. he's the, he's also he's the steward of Gondor. Gondor yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Lord Man, of the Rings. So I, uh, he's the steward is skewered. You get it. Uh, I I have a I have a soft spot for John Noble. I mean, saying how can um, you not? Because I used to uh, as a as a kid, I used to watch Fringe when it was on TV. Yeah, oh, he's great on Fringe. Uh, he's great, and he's always reminded me of my own dad a lot. So like he is a lot like your dad. I, I, I see it. He's, I, I, so I see it. like I always I always have like sort of a soft spot for John Noble. But like he he has like truly been typecast into playing sad dad. Like that is that is his character. Like <laughs> yeah. that's that's his character in Lord of the Rings. That's big time his character in Fringe. And that's his character in this movie, too. Because uh, you, Cleveland, you you were calling the whole time, like, oh, he's he's the one who's doing it. He's the Satanist. He has a lot of lines that would cue towards that, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he, much like the Warrens, he has, like, a, a locked basement full of, like, cursed artifacts Which and they stuff. advise him to burn! Yeah, they're like, they're like, you, the know, you should, like you know, you should burn all this shit. It's like, y'all have, y'all, y'all have, have the one of these! You have one of these! <laughs> what are you talking about? Pot calling the kettle? Multiple, like, Lord. multiple spinoff films have happened because you didn't burn yours. <laughs> like, yeah, like they have a whole basement full of cursed artifacts, and, so, like, and they come across someone else's basement full of cursed artifacts. I just I cannot fucking say this, and, enough, also, and they like, tell them to burn theirs. And also, like his entire burn career, yours, as, stupid. What the fuck? His entire career as a priest was spent like studying like a specific satanic cult or whatever. Yeah. So, like, I I don't think you were wrong to call that uh, Clave. Like, it would have. It would have made sense, uh, and it, it, you're, you weren't far off. He's I mean, one, honestly wishful thinking John Noble would have been a much better villain. I agree. Yeah, because uh, he, he's a great villain. Uh, but yeah, he's one step removed because he had a secret daughter that he had to hide from the church. And was the explanation that because she grew up around him studying so much satanic stuff that the she demonology. became that she became a satanist? Yeah. Yes. That sucks. It does. <laughs> that's a terrible, that's a yeah. terrible backstory. And like, that's the other thing is like the villain who in this one is a real human person and not a ghost or a demon. The real villain has no characterization whatsoever. She looks kind of creepy. She's bad lady. She's bad lady who does a curse. Yeah. Watch and, out for bad lady. She uh, makes totems, I guess. <laughs> I want to talk about those totems now. Yeah, those I about that. weird cursed artifacts. <laughs> that true detective. You were, shit. Yeah, yeah. you were the one. Who, were you the one who brought that up about the one in the vase? Yeah, I wanted to talk yeah, about yeah, that yeah. one in particular. Like, uh, they find. Well, I brought that up actually. Oh, okay, yeah. they found a cursed artifact under the floorboards mm-hmm. of the the house of the family. Yeah, and they're studying it and find out that oh yes, it is. Yet another cursed artifact. Why don't we just add it to our collection? Yeah. But later in the movie, <laughs> there's a vase in, in the in, Warren's house. Somebody sent flowers after Patrick Wilson had a heart attack. And the flowers are like... Uh, dead and They're desiccated. like dead and desiccated. And for some reason, he drops the vase and it shatters... 
and there's a whole ass little black magic totem made out of like sticks and bones and shit. Very and a deer skull, like or, no, yeah. like, a, like a fox skull or something. Yeah, like, like a small. It, like, 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 yeah, it sticks and bones tied into like a little pyramid. Very much like the like as big as two fists. Yeah, like the, the like a, the the little totems in season one of True Detective that the mm-hmm. that the killer leaves around or uh, typical typical occult shit. But how or did, Texas Chainsaw? Yeah. But how did she get it into the vase? Right. So here's the good question. <laughs> it's it's as big as the vase. Like it would fill the entirety of the vase, and it's like t- carefully tied together and crafted and made. Making that inside the vase would be like making a ship in a bottle. But you can't see the b- you blind. Can't see through it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did she do it? Did she like cast the Devil vase around magic. it? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, what the fuck? Like, it's so stupid. Like, no one thought about that. It was clearly just so you could have a cool reveal of the, the, de- of the vase shattering Cleveland. and there being a thing in it. The devil made her do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the de- oh, damn, the devil made me dab on him. <laughs> <laughs> damn, too bad this is a, an audio-only medium. <laughs> I just dabbed for our listeners. Yeah. And uh, it was for our listeners. I, I dabbed for you. We dab for you. That's not for whom the, the cleave dabs. I dab for the... All right. Anyway, keep uh, to to go on. I mean, what else is there to go on? They they go into the tunnels under the the town. They find the the satanic altar. They have to destroy the altar, but for some reason, cast it into the fire. But for some reason, like it's not good enough to just like knock all the shit off of it. Like they try to flip it over, but it's like a big stone altar, and it's like carved into the floor, so they can't flip it. I don't know why just breaking everything on it isn't good enough, but uh, Patrick Wilson has to go find a sledgehammer uh, so he can smash it. And But uh, instead he gets possessed and tries to smash his wife, and not in a sexual way. <laughs> yeah, because I mean I guess that's an aspect of it is that the curse makes you think you're seeing a ghost, but it's actually one of your loved ones, so you try to kill the ghost and... Then you kill your loved one. Yep. That, whatever. Um, smashes the altar, and then they're like, um, the curse is broken, but the, the demon can't go back to hell without a soul. So uh, You called it. You called this, like, yeah, fucking five minutes before it fucking obvious. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, the the, the, <sighs> the demon shows up and kills the, the, the Satanist bitch. Like, that's how, that's, that's how shit always happens, is if you break the ritual, the demon takes you, you know? Like, yeah. And she the, gets dragged to hell. She is dragged to hell, and then... Uh, or kind of crumpled. She gets kind of origamied on the floor. Yeah, to hell. Um, <laughs> origami to hell. Origami to hell. Uh... <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. Got me to hell. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Um, And the movie's over. Yep. Yay! It's another. We did another one. All right. Are you ready to rate? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) I'm I'm defeated. (laughs) This movie wins. I I lose for watching it. Yeah. Uh, Who wants to start? I warned you. Okay. uh, I'll I'll go. Man, big ghost was funny. Big Ghost was funny. Big Ghost was really good, and there wasn't. Uh, there were a few scenes in this movie where I weren't, where I, I, I didn't get some joy out of mocking it or laughing at it. It was fine. I, I man, fucking tears, tears when that ghost like hits the, 
the fucking uh, yeah, man. the table. And it's so funny. And it's it's so insane how over the top this movie is. I just could not stop giggling at like how little this film like understood subtlety or knew how to u- utilize subtlety. And again, like considering like the audience that it's made for, it's not really trying, but it gave me a giggle. Uh pretty pretty con- consistently. I'm going to give a 3. Holy shit. It's wow. fine. Well, just, okay, so like 2.5 is average. It, it gave me a good giggle. If it was running again in the background, I'd get a giggle over it again. I wouldn't, like, go out of my way to not see it or whatever. That is insane. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, you know, 50 is a failing grade. That is buck So I'm going to give it a little above that. You know, it's a it's a D. Yeah. Uh, ben? This what? is a one star for me. This is trash. <laughs> the podcast trash. made me watch it. <laughs> yeah uh no i'm totally with you dog like this is this is well below just a failing grade this is also going to be a one out of five for me and the entirety of that one is solely because of big ghost <laughs> like, this would this would have been this would have been like a nothing for me if not for that one moment of uh intense joy in an hour and 40 minutes of an otherwise completely uninspired inspired and boring film yeah i think even with that like if we had seen this in the theater this might have been a half star for me yeah i i don't i don't care to ever see this one again um i don't particularly care to see any of them again but i would certainly watch conjuring one or two over this you know i i think i would i think i would rewatch the nun before i rewatched this one yeah yeah i think the nun, I think the nun is, is funnier unintentionally <laughs> yeah i think i think the nun the Nun has more laugh out loud moments for me. Um, but anyway, that will that will give The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, an average of 1.7 out of 5. Sorry to any of our listeners who really love this franchise. I, I apologize, but man, it sucks. Um, I like the fir- I like Insidious. It's not part of the franchise. We I guess. do have Insidious is fine. Insidious is like fine. It's not the first couple. Of it's also not a good now. movie, but it's fun. I think it's more fun than this one. The fourth I would one, Insidious. The fourth would one Insidious sucks. Like uh, yeah. The fourth one we've done. We did on the podcast. <laughs> oh, so I have predictions yes. for this one. So Give I'll me. start with Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so Tease, you predicted a thirty-eight. Cleave, you predicted a four, and I predicted a forty-two. Ooh. And this movie, uh, at the time of recording, is sitting at a 56. Oh, shit. Okay. So I got wow. my second that point. That is nice. quite a bit higher Good. than I expected. Wow. And uh, in terms of our collective rating, TC predicted 1.8. Cleef, you predicted 1. <laughs> and I predicted 2.2. <laughs> Oh, it shit. was 1.7. I thought we were going to have a tie on our hands here, but because Cleve rated it so high, you are now in the lead, Tease. Hell yeah. Uh, oh, damn. You yeah. have you have 6. I mean, Cleve I've been has in the four, lead, but... and yeah, I have lead. 2. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's hilarious to me that the one who was the most vocally against watching this movie at all gave it two stars higher than us I don't, I don't think a three is like out of this world it's just a little above average like uh yeah and i think this film is well if we below compared average. some of the other movies you gave like a three star two to this i think you should. sure it's not a perfect system you know i'm, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not a perfect not. person either i'm uh i'm made of meat 
you know, five stars isn't a lot to work with. It's a, you know, it's a five point system. It's not a, it's not a hundred point system. It's really a 10 point system since we do halves. That's true. That's true. But so a, a three out of five is equivalent to a six out of 10. Yeah, I'd put it about a six out of 10. All right. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that it's surprising. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's surprising. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. I don't feel like I need uh, to defend it or yeah, anything. Yeah, because I, I, I think <laughs> this movie gets like a, a well below uh, well below average rating. I think it's funny and it's fine. I, I, I didn't I didn't take any of this movie personally. I, I didn't guess. either. I didn't take it personally either, but I did think it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, anywho. Sponsor time. Not quite. Oh. First. Okay. Uh, next week. We are going to be doing the first of our uh, ah. patron picks. Um, we chose one from the list at random. Uh, and so the film that we are going to be covering next week, submitted by our, uh, I'll just say it, patron. There's one of them right now. <laughs> but uh, Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, the French uh, extreme horror film Revenge. Which Revenge. I know very, I know very little about. But Ben, you've seen this one already. I really love this movie. Um, I I love I love the genre that this movie is a part of. But I've not I've not seen this one. I don't know much about it. It it goes places, man. That's cool. all I'll cool. say. It uh, it is very creative. Well, yeah, that'll be that'll be next week. Uh, recommended by our uh, honorary pod boy Sam Simon. Thank you, Sam. Um, so Sam, when you listen to this. Thank you, and you're welcome. Uh, now it is time uh, to see who's given us money this week. All right, as the as the the, the weird clawed foot descends, kind of like on a bathtub. Uh, here we go. The sponsor shelf speaks. Yes, and it what speaks. does it say? And it says, "This episode of Pod People, The Conjuring Three, The Devil Made Me Do It, was brought to you by the Howling of the Wind." Since 1974. <laughs> Damn, if only it had been since 1981. That would have been perfect. <laughs> well, you see, before before 1974, the wind didn't howl. A lot of people don't know that, but it's really, there are only instances of the wind howling after 1974. And and if you read of, or, 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 or witness an instance before then, it's a lie. That's uh, that's the government. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's big wind trying to tell you that uh, uh, lies. Man, for, I'm so for their sick agenda. of big wind. Me too. And this podcast is not <laughs> sponsored by big wind. No, though we do. Though our podcast is a lot of big wind. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> we do. We do blow a lot of a lot of wind or whatever the the expression is. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, uh, I think it's called we're full of hot air. That's the one. <laughs> I also like we're full of big wind. <laughs> we're full of big wind. Yeah, we're full but of not, big wind brought to you by, but not sponsored yeah. by big wind, but you sponsored by the truth, yes. which is, mm-hmm. but, uh, that is also the weakness of, uh, the, the conjuring spinoff film, big ghost, <laughs> big ghost make big wind. <laughs> he does. I mean, I wish God, God, I wish that movie was, was, would ever happen and it won't. But, uh, man, what if, uh, Somebody should make an edit of that scene where when he falls and hits his head on the table, <laughs> he <up>. also farts. <laughs> be really good, yeah. Yeah, that would that would be good. Somebody should do that. Yeah, so it's uh, not going to be me though. So anyway, uh, yeah, wake up, sheeple. Uh, the wind is howling, uh, but only since 1974. Only since 1974. Yeah. All right. Well. 
that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you want to support the show, uh, just go on over and, and leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. If you want to support the show in another way. Give me money. Uh, well, there's nicer ways to ask, Cleveland. Please. <laughs> please. Yeah, uh, please well, give me money. <laughs> we do. Uh, we have we have a Patreon, which can be found at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Uh, we have three different uh, patron tiers available. Uh, none of our content is going to be paywalled. So if uh, you're not able to support the show in that way, that's totally fine. You won't miss anything. But. If you subscribe to our honorary Podboy tier, like uh, our buddy Sam does, then you can request films for us to review. We've got a, a running spreadsheet now, and uh, we're going to cycle the patrons' picks into our own picks. So that could be you. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> come on, my gar- my garage only has three Ferraris in it. Like we gotta, you know, we gotta step up our game here with these Patreons. That's right. The howling, <laughs> the howling of the wind since 1974 only gives us several million dollars apiece. Yeah, it's not enough. <laughs> it's not you know, enough. We need, we need more. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that that link again is Patreon.com/slash/PodPeoplePod, uh, and uh, if you do decide to become a patron, we thank you for it. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. I don't Twitter. thank you. I expect it. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, let's tone that down a little bit. <laughs> I kid, uh, I kid. I, I love you. Sweet kisses. Uh, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets if you want to read my big wind. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios as we put up progress on It Stares Back. You know the drill. Go check us out on Steam. And That's another way to give us money. Yeah, yeah. Go, uh, go, go, go buy It Stares Back. Go check it out and tell your friends if you like it. We're all grassroots. Um, and uh, you can also find my work on ArtStation as I do more work for... Dread XP, the super cool video game public publisher as well. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, sometimes I, I'll, I'll, I'll paint. Uh, I do a paint for you if you want. That's nice. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you as always for listening. Next week, uh, come see if revenge is best served hot or cold. Just what I saw in my old dreams. Was the reflections of my wall